I just realized we're all we're all we're all marks. <laughs> yeah, all three of us. That's, <laughs> That's true. <kind> of funny. <laughs> that is true. Well, we're the cool ones, you know. Mm -hmm, the, mm -hmm. No matter what anyone says. This is an exclusive club we got <laughs> going here. That's right. When Joe shows up, we're just going to kick him out. Yeah, you don't belong. Sorry, you're not Wrong one of the cool kids anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we are excited to talk with you, and and uh, yeah, I, I I got some things even you guys don't know. You and Joe Dread. So oh boy, I, I was even more I was, secrets. He's I was been keeping... revealing all these goodies you've sent us. Fantastic yeah. stuff, man. Yeah, I was um I was keeping it keeping it secret because I told Mark I would just not even let it let you guys know about that. So he is he has kept the secrets. <laughs> Master of the secrets. That's right. But I um I did show him the very, very cool card. We did a we oh, did a, cool. we did an unveiling, an opening on our uh, <laughs> right. last last time we uh redid the episode and I like I played it for him. I held it up to the microphone. Like, oh my god, it's talking. Can you hear that? Yeah, it's making noise. Yeah, it was, it was so very cool. Yeah, who came up with all these these ideas to uh, all these uh, companion pieces to the album? This is some well, cool all stuff. of us. We uh, we started a band chat, and it it got so active. You know, before we finished the album, I think there were six thousand messages in there. Wow. And uh, yeah, we were just talking. What can we do to you know give this album a little more notice than our records typically get? Awesome! Yeah, nice. that uh, the 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 comic is beautiful. Really yeah. cool. Yeah, it's so very cool. Um, we're going to ask you this again when we're formally in the uh, in the show as well. Oh so, yeah, yeah. yeah. We should, maybe we yeah. should start save, officially. Save. Well, and I guess it's time. We we should just get going then. Let's fire yeah, away. Like, yeah. I know Mark's excited to hang out with us all night. I know, he, you know, hey, <laughs> let's give him a good show, right? <laughs> all right. Well, let's get it going. Hey, man, this is Trevor William Church of Haunt and Beastmaker, and you're watching Heavy Metal Horror. Thank you. I am Montag, master of illusion. What goes up must come down, but not always. And this is Dreadbull, two-man show once again, holding it down. That's right. <laughs> and you are watching and listening to Heavy Metal, metal Horror. Oh, kitties. <laughs> We've got another triumphant return, Mark Bridey from Jagpanzer, is back. Yes, Mark, welcome back to Heavy Metal Horror. Oh, thanks for having me. I had a great time last time. So right when we schedule this, I've been looking forward to this. I've been looking at this on my calendar every day, and it's always a good time. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Do you know how, like, mind-blowing that is to hear you say <laughs> that? You know, like, for us, I mean, again, we never, ever expected to be talking to people like you people we admire people we are fans of their music we just never ever thought we'd do that let alone have you engage and like like what we do it's just it's just, just so mind-blowing so thank you again yeah we just we so appreciate the the positive feedback and it's been it's been awesome yeah like you said mm -hmm. it's kind of mind-blowing so <laughs> we really appreciate it thank you for having me yeah and the, the camaraderie i mean you know uh you know dreadbull Last week, um, you know, 
Mark and I were texting back and forth, and he uh, sent me a new song uh, to listen to with a Fantastic. link. Says, yeah, see, I did. I didn't That's share. Cool, Mark, man. I told him. I, no, you he did said, not. He said not to share. I'm like, nope, I'm keeping. It. I said, <laughs> I'll let Dreadbull. I'll let the guys know in the show, and um, yeah, I did show him the uh, the digital comic because I knew the comic was on its way, and I took pictures of the uh, the lovely the the comic <laughs> book with the awesome Mark Bridey pick. There we go. Oh yeah. There oh, cool. yeah, yeah. Nice. Cool. Nice. Yes. And uh bagged and boarded and sealed. This is awesome. A very cool comic. I was really shocked. I expected to have like a ton of like ads in there. We're like one of like three ads in here, man. Completely blown away by that. And then so thank you. I mean, you asked us. You asked me, like, do you guys like to have an ad in the, you know, in the comic book? Like, no charge. Yeah. I'm like, yes. Holy crap. I'm like, I told the guys, like, hey, Mark wants us to, uh, to, to like have an ad in the comic book. Holy crap. Well, I, I didn't know until you showed me the digital. And I was just, you're like, yeah, check out and look at the artwork. And I was just mm-hmm. thumbing through the, the digital comic and then you know yeah i got to the heavy metal horror page i'm like what the hell is this what's what's this there's a big logo there like this looks familiar yeah, <laughs> it did not right? even sink in like wow mm-hmm. that's yeah just yeah, awesome so completely blown away mm-hmm. um definitely blown away and then start things off we got this you know awesome postcard you had sent oh, a while cool. back ago you know and uh which was cool and then and then the even more amazing card, the digital card, and the lovely Jag Panzer Black Beautiful. envelope. It is gorgeous. Yes, with fantastic <laughs> artwork. And then you open it up. Oh, behold the story. And then you have the audio. Welcome to the Hollow. Yes. <laughs> so very cool. So, Mark, this album... Uh, you know, we've been hearing about it for a long time. You have so many cool giveaways. Now, these I know were very limited edition. The same thing with the comic yeah, book, the same yeah, thing with these other postcards. So can you tell talk a little bit about the promotional aspect? I mean, we're gonna get into the album, but how did you come up with all this great ideas about promoting your book and then sending it these kinds of awesome things to schlubs like us? Well, I what I wanted to do, and I, I got the blessing from my bandmates, which was nice. I wanted to give people sort of the experience that I had in 1982, becoming a new wave of British heavy metal fan. Um, no internet back then. So every news and everything I got, it was either from a fanzine or it was from what I got in the mail. And uh, I remember getting like, uh, somebody sent me the Angel Witch cover Xeroxed in a letter. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> this is really cool. I think the album was already out then, but I hadn't seen it. I mean, there was no place in Colorado Springs to buy that kind of music. Um, there was a shop in Denver, but they were pretty limited early on with metal releases. So all the news I got was, was everything I got in the mail. And it was really cool. I mean, I, I tell younger people today and they say, oh, well, that's terrible. You couldn't just sign on and get news. No, it's actually really cool going out to your mailbox and go, oh, cool. It's a letter from London and open it up. And here's the latest from Witchfind, And here's yeah. this cover and here's what's going on gigs in the UK. And it was just it was great. And then certain albums you would hear about the hype would build like, you know, I, like everybody. I had Metallica's No Life to Leather demo. And there was just a really this buzz 
waiting for uh, for kill them all to hit. And it was cool. And that was stuff that happened all the time. So I thought with this record, is there anything we can do to sort of try to bring that feeling back in a digital age? So we thought direct mails. So what's better to do than to unveil the album cover? Don't unveil it online, unveil it with postcards. Uh, and then we thought, you know, what can we do that would be really special? We can do just like 50 or 60 of, and then that was the audio cards. And the comic wasn't even on the radar, but we did this album a little differently. Typically we do demos for the songs and then we go and record. So we did that again, but we decided, hey, let's get a, we had a band meeting and said, do you guys want to record the album for real in our home studios? And they said, well, what do you mean for real? I said, no, no, we're still going to go to more sound later to mix, but let's do it once through for real, everybody. So we did the whole album, everything for real as a practice run and it went really good and we all started talking about the story everybody was asking well what do you think happens in this song and well we knew what happens lyrically but everybody was asking for more what do you think those monsters look like what do you think this is about so after about a week of that i told the guys you know what if we did a comic book and uh, they told me to run with it they said look if you you can make it happen mark that's good so I started scripting out a story for the comic book, sending it to my bandmates, uh, started looking for an artist, which took several weeks. So once I finally had all that under control, checked prices, availability for printing and everything seemed to go. So I, I ran with the ball and did the comic book. That's wow. awesome. Yeah. And you're right. Like back, you know, I think back to the eighties, like, like you said, fanzines, like you, you'd, you know, you'd sometimes you'd find out about a new band just by going to the record store and thumbing your way through the albums, you know, and maybe a cover will catch your eye or something. And yeah, back then it was like those things were so much more precious to you. You know, if you got yeah. a fanzine with an article, you know, about a band you really loved, man, you'd read that thing three, four times. And like there are some cool pictures in there and stuff. And it was so much more rare. So you really held on to those things and it, it meant a lot more back then, you know, because you felt like you were part of the community. You know, if you're involved yeah. in a fanzine, yeah, exactly. you are part of the people who are supporting it and who love it. It's kind of like feels like an underground movement, like it's pure in a way, mm -hmm. you know, and um, so, no, I, I, I totally love that. But in, in case we didn't mention the album title, we got the hallowed and and it is a concept album yes um so for the because it's i know it's coming out but can you give a brief idea an overview of this post-apocalyptic concept album yeah it's set in a post-apocalyptic frozen world and it's it's a small group of people they're not the only people on in this area but they're they're group banded together they've trained animals to help them to survive and they're looking for a warm place called the hallowed, which is, you know, that's not syntactically correct, but there's several things in the story where the language is a little bit different. So uh, we just wanted to give the sense it's a different kind of place. So um, yeah, they're, they're, they're adventures looking for this place of warmth along with the animals. On the album, the lyrics are told from the viewpoint of the animals, all of them. In the comic oh. book is told from the viewpoint of the humans. So uh, when hearing the album, you can follow along with the comic and it's I've done it, everybody in the band's done it. And it, it is actually really cool because you 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 experience the same events, 
but it's a completely different point of view, especially in the beginning of the story. The animals are very much about unity and we're all together and, uh, you know, the people not so much. <laughs> well, the, the one song that <laughs> I, the first right. one you shared with me was from the bird's point of view. Yes. And, and when I listened to it, knowing that I could hear in the music and in the guitar solos and the way the music is structured, it sounded like birds like diving. Like it could almost feel that sense of aerial, yeah. you know, aerials and aeronautics and diving down, swooping down. So, you know, I, I, I think it was fantastic and, and kind of majestic how you incorporated the, the knowing what the song was more than just having a lick and a big anthemic thing, which the second song you sent me was very anthemic. I could hear that definitely being a part of your set list, but to have the sound of the animals and feel that movement in the, in the music, I thought was fantastic. Yeah. We approached it like we were scoring music for the story, uh, which we, we did Thane at the throne the same way, our, our previous concept record. So, and, and we were happy with Thane at the throne. People seemed to like it. So we thought if we can do a scoring to a story, similar approach, and we wanted uh, things like to get a feel of the birds coming down without using sound effects of birds. We wanted to see, can we do this with electric guitars? So that was definitely our aim. Nice. So where did the idea come from? I mean, when, when you first begin thinking about creating a new record, how does it evolve from just talking about, hey, what do you want to do, to a concept album? <clears throat> Yeah, we, we knew initially we wanted to do a concept album because it's a different way of writing songs for us. So it, it gives us, the music sounds different. Still sounds like Jag Panzer, but it is a different approach. So we knew it was going to be a concept album. So we were trying to think, what what should we do? And uh, it was our drummer that first suggested um, sort of a, an adventure. He said, can we do an adventure story like like a classic, like Jason the Argonauts or something like a cool adventure story, maybe in a post-apocalyptic frozen world you know it's not it's not completely original post-apocalyptic frozen but it's certainly less common than the mad max post-apocalyptic desert <laughs> we thought, okay right. uh, so then harry just took the ball and ran with it so harry really fleshed out a complete story enough for me to start writing songs to it and then um, everybody started filling in details as a group Nice. Oh well, yeah, I, I'm a sucker for all things post-apocalyptic, so I I, lo <laughs> I love the that that kind of setting. I'll I'll watch anything or listen to anything that has that that setting. So I'm really if excited you, uh, about it. If you read the comic, the song titles, every song title is incorporated in the comic, and and they're all in a okay. specific position, so you can really nail down each song to a panel on the comic. I oh, think that's got to be a, a when we do an album review, we got to do a read along. With, yeah yeah that's kind of what i want to do the first time i listen to this whole album i want to sit down with the comic and kind of just you know put the headphones on and just take it all in at, at one time all together mm -hmm. but it's uh it's really worked out well for us we uh we're really really happy the way the record came out and we're we're currently unsigned so we started shopping this for a new record deal and we've gotten more contract offers than we ever have in our in our career well, that's exactly. what I was going to ask cool. next is, uh, you know, we had talked about that. You had received some offers. So are you able to tell us this episode will be coming out in three weeks? Um, are you able to tell us who you signed with? Yeah, I was hoping I could. I can't quite yet. Okay. No, no, that's fine. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, I have, made, 
I had made a wish list of the three record labels I was interested in, and we have offers from all three. Oh, that's wow, awesome. that's fantastic! Yeah, I mean, is that pretty rare in the in the music industry to have so many labels like come at you with an offers, especially the ones you really want? Is it? I mean, how rare is this? Um, I, I'm told it is. I I don't know. Uh, honestly, uh, bands tend not to share that with one another, so I, I don't really know how how rare it is. I know some of the people we have working with us to make these deals happen. They're they're very happy with the response. So um, I, I think it's rare. <laughs> I don't want to commit to that statement. Sure. Okay. <laughs> well, that's fine. Uh, I'm just excited for you. You know, I mean, we we feel like we've been a part of this journey with you because you've included us in, in the story as limited as, as the information as much as I could give and what I held back. But we just feel like we we're on this journey with you and we're just really happy that the album has come together and that you've got new interest from different labels so uh, we're just excited to see where it goes from here yeah you know again that goes back to the early 80s because I, I really felt like with certain bands that i was going along with the journey just from getting information about bands and getting information i remember uh, really liking early warlord when i heard it i just i couldn't believe it's just great and I used to call Brian Slegel on the phone. He, were, he used to work at Oz Records. And he would just give me information about, you know, when the EP's coming out, Deliver Us. And it, it felt like I was part of the journey. So, yeah, that's definitely the feeling I'm trying to get here. Yeah. Well, uh, we, we're certainly in part of that. So um, do we have an, a time frame for when the album is going to be coming out? Yeah, that would be entirely up to the label. It's completely done on our end, completely. Okay. Every artwork, all photography, inner sleeve graphics, uh, mastering. I mean, everything is absolutely ready to go on our end. We have uh, five videos. We have a uh, wow. our biggest budget video ever was shot on a huge soundstage. That's done. Then we have four lyric videos. So you've seen two of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we have uh, five videos. They're done. Nice. Yeah, everything's ready to go. And I love the photography. You know, the I yeah. I when when you put some of the photos out on social media, then I felt like I could share some of the things <laughs> that you had sent to me. So <laughs> Dreadbull was over uh, one day at the house, and I said, "Oh yeah, these are on these are on Facebook." But here I can show you what Mark sent me. Uh, you know, like three weeks prior to that, mm -hmm. and and the, the the photography is just gorgeous. These black and white with these huge sets. And I remember telling you, it said it reminded me of some very Art Deco, something like you might see out of Metropolis. So oh yeah, was uh, this was this part of the vision or whose idea was it to kind of construct these larger than life kind of almost quasi mechanical, you know, uh, dystopian, you know, kind of images. Well, we had, uh, we hired three different photographers and we wanted three completely different looks. And the first photographer was uh, a friend of mine, Brian. He used to win photographer of the year award all the time here in Carl Springs. And he's just a great photographer. So I went out and just took some snapshots myself of the giant steel O and the big steel bird. And I said, look, we want to get these in a picture and we want them looking old school dystopian metropolis or, or 70s films like Clockwork Orange with a lot of concrete and steel. I said, we want that kind of look with some smoke. And he said, yeah, I got it. So he took us out. Um, his sessions were a couple days. Yeah, and they came out phenomenal. I mean, he's an absolutely amazing photographer. Then we had a, another photographer. 
um, I went and talked to the people at the uh, World War II Airplane Museum here in town, and, you know, about doing a shoot there, and they were very cool. So we had a, another full day session there, and then we had a full day session on the uh, in the gear storage part of the soundstage. We did the video, so we have all these anvil cases around, and it's very looks like a band on tour. And then the final photo session. Um, there's a painting I've been fascinated my whole life called Las Meninas. It's a painting in Spain and there's documentaries on it about it's the most interesting painting ever. I mean, you can watch whole documentaries and I made the band watch it. They were a little lukewarm at first <laughs> and I watched them and there they said, Oh my God, this is fascinating. This is crazy. This painting is. And I said, you know how many bands have taken a picture like that? And everybody guessed, Oh, a hundred, maybe more. I said, I can't find any. So, um, we actually had my my buddy Dan, excellent portrait photographer. He did the photos for the last album. He uh, posed us for that shot. So we are posed like this classic painting. And I haven't shown anybody those pictures yet. No, I, no. I remember on Facebook because you said a classic painting, but you wouldn't say what it was. And, and Dreadbull, I, I I submitted a classic painting that I was taking a guess, and it was dogs playing <laughs> poker. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, I thought, oh, maybe here's a shot. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? Yes. Uh, since I mentioned that on Facebook in the time frame since, I, I posted the documentaries about Las Meninas a few times, just dropping some breadcrumbs. Oh, if it, nice. if you people, a few people did put it together. I got some instant messages. Hey, you were talking about some painting you guys were posed as, and now you're posting these documentaries about <laughs> that. And I said, yeah. Nice. I, I don't know when I'm going to unleash those. I actually had those made into a postcard as well. Those are really, really cool pictures. Yeah, oh that that would be awesome. I I loved the pictures. I loved the stark black and white. The those images I thought were just amazing, and uh, they certainly give a a look and a feel. You know, and that's I think part of the when when like you get a new album. You know, when when Dreadbull and I would always get like the new Iron Maiden album, we would we would be anticipating to what to see the band was yeah, going to look exactly. like, and and the interior yeah. and the sleeve, and then especially on albums like Somewhere in Time, where you can look and like spend an hour like looking at all the details and finding all the little like references to songs and things. That was like we would just listen to the album, just look at the cover, you know. Yeah. And it was uh, all part of the ritual, man. You had to just yeah, just look at the cover art and stare at that while you listen to the brand new album. Uh, yeah, that was, mm -hmm. uh, I missed that. So I'm glad you're putting this effort into kind of bringing back some of those really that cool nostalgia that that used to come with uh, with listening to to a new album. Yeah, yeah, and I, I I know there are people that that won't be into it and just want to hear the songs individually on their iPad, and that's fine. I mean, so we we. Uh, produce this record you know so anybody can listen to it however they want but if you're old school like me or if you want to feel like it did in the old school days yeah put on some headphones or yeah. put on and have a bunch of people over and get a pizza and everybody read the comic and listen to the music at the same time mm -hmm. i think we have to do that dreadful we gotta do a listening I think party that sounds awesome yeah yeah no that'd, totally. be, that'd be great um mark i, I you know Jag Panzer is a band that I, I, you know, has been around for a long time. It, it has a such a unique and heavy American style metal, and I sometimes I think the band just gets heavier and heavier and, and more complex as it goes. Is that something that has been intentional, or is this something that's happening like organically within the band as as you progress through your career? Um, yeah, it's completely organically, it, it, organic. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> yeah, my yeah, it sounded it's completely organic. Um, yeah, it's nothing we we plan out, especially on this record, because everything was done to uh, to suit the story. I mean, there's some there's a few parts on this album that are ridiculously complicated, but it's done because that part of the story is very chaotic. So, um, yeah, we don't we don't ever or at least I as a songwriter don't ever say, you know, I need to make this complicated or I need to make this. Yeah, I, I just don't do it. I, I like to write for feeling and that, that comes double true for this record. Mm. Which, so I, oh, oh sorry. Yeah, that's a question. I don't think I asked uh, the last time you were on, but so this is pretty appropriate for what we're talking about. You got this new album coming out. Uh, I've thought about this before with bands. You know, you put all this effort, like you've put all this effort into making this music and all these materials to go with it and stuff. And kind of um, you put that stuff out to the public and inevitably you're going to get, you're going to get all spectrum, you know, the whole spectrum of feedback. And, yeah. and uh, I think about today, like the, the pervasive negativity that seems to have come with social media and things like that. Like, is that something that you still, do you still struggle with negativity and dealing with those things? Is that something you've worked through throughout your career now that you've been at it for so long, you know, how or does it still affect you? Well, the, you know, people not liking something, that's that's no big deal. You get used to that. It's a little jarring on your first record, but you quickly <laughs> right. to it. Um, my pet peeve, and I do have this happen every record, is when people make a factual statement that's completely wrong. Um, I had somebody a few albums back said, well, I really like this song, except the vocal line is not in key. And I said, that is absolutely <laughs> not true. It is in key. And he pushed me back. Yeah, no, I know my music theory. And I said, okay, here's the notes. Here's the mode. Tell me what's wrong with it. Oh, I'm just hearing it differently. And I said, <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't like it, that's cool. That's fine. I mean, mm -hmm. just say you don't like it, but come on, don't. Let's not go down that path of it's yeah. musically out of key. It wasn't. And, let's uh, argue with the person who wrote the song. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's been writing music for Yeah, exactly. Days. He kind of knows what he wrote. <laughs> but we do have one song on the record. I, I can't wait to hear the response from it because when you hear it, it's a, it's, it's a pretty cool driving metal song. So I think when you just hear it, it's like, hey, this is a cool song. But when we were recording it, every single engineer, every one of them turned around in their desk and said what's going on here and jim morris said who's just a musical genius turned around and said okay you're gonna have to explain this one um okay it's got something like very appetite very bizarre things in it that the average listener is not gonna hear it just feels like it's driving but if you start tapping your foot to it it's gonna go awry <laughs> very quickly and there is no tempo change and that's the first thing that people oh, guess yeah. hey are you doing real subtle tempo changes here i said no there's no tempo change and then <laughs> I, and then i get the turning around and okay explain what's going on here and then i would say well i'm occasionally dropping an eighth note by putting in a bar of seven eight to completely change the downbeat oh, but you yeah you can't hear it as a listener, really. I think a lot of people, and it's a very cool song. It's my favorite one. So I think a lot of people are just going to say, that's a really cool driving metal song. But it okay. does have a, the feel starts slowly 
changing in it. That's cool. I love little subtle things like that, that you might listen to the song, you know, a dozen times and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, what? You know, I never noticed that little detail before. So that's cool. And uh, people working on the record noticed it because they're setting up delays and setting up markers. And then all of a sudden they're all off. (laughs) And it's like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? Um, We have another part in a song where I I put a really cool... um, sort of high muted guitar part a counter melody to harry's vocals and uh, i take it completely off time on purpose and that's another one where people turned around and said okay mark why are you doing this but then after a few lessons i'd see a smile on people's face oh i know why you're doing it now it really draws attention to harry's vocals um so that's a real there's a lot of real subtle things like this on this record is it safe to say this is a progressive a, a very progressive jag panzer record that sounds like um, progressive elements there i would call it very progressive but uh progressive seems to be a genre tag and it's yeah, certainly that's true. not that it it does not sound like dream theater or queen's right and you know and those are great bands but um as far as progressive meaning to take the music in a different direction yeah there's certainly some very unique things on there but i think most people that have heard the record um, call it classic metal. In fact, most people are saying this is the most classic metal sounding record since Apple Destruction. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I would even okay. consider like maybe Iron Maiden's more m- most recent album, mm-hmm. uh, a, a kind of a progressive Maiden album. They, so yeah, they've I don't been progressing. Necessarily... They've been kind of moving progressing for the last you know a couple albums. They've been kind of heading in that direction mm-hmm. for sure. But it's still it's still hard rock. It's still metal, you know. But yeah. there's a lot of prog in that. Yeah, I guess I don't necessarily use that label to like to box something in, but mm-hmm. just as yeah. a, you know, to, to kind of as a label to kind of like describe some of those those elements, those little mm-hmm. surprises and details that you put in there, and those kind of odd time yeah. signatures and stuff. That so makes it really exciting, cool. you know. That's that. I that's, love that stuff, man. As as someone who's been a musician since I was ten, I love hearing that stuff because when I catch it, like, oh, that just makes this, the song, the listening, more rich to me to to hear yeah. those things. You know, it's like, oh, okay. There's a depth to that that I really appreciate. And there, there's a lot of things we do that people never pick up on, which I, I kind of think that's cool. There's a there's a part on Thane to the Throne, and it's in um, Fate's Triumph, where I am maintaining a pulse on my guitar, and our drummer Rickard is changing time signatures every four bars. And no one has oh. ever picked up on that. I've seen musicians in the audience when we're playing sort of count it out and <laughs> puzzled look on his face. And, but yeah, it was cool. He, he, I think he whips through four different time signatures in about 30 seconds. All okay. Well so it, holy cow. So it all yeah. meets back mathematically. It all adds yeah, up. Back mathematically. Exactly. Okay. It, it's yeah. like when you hear rush, like in uh, um, Jacob's ladder, you know, when that music part comes in, it's like, they're all three of them are playing different time signatures you know, and Neil Peart's like playing this really off. Like I, I, I have a struggle with that one. I'm like, oh, when I would always play it, but mathematically, it all works out. And where they come back in and and like concert, like oh, symphonically, boom, they all hit that number. Like okay, now I see what you were doing. It's, it's brilliant. And it was uh, it was really cool working with our bass player because he's he he's got his own way of doing melody on the bass, and I, I just love it. It's brilliant. But he came into the recording sessions with like multiple rhythmic ideas for each song and he would tell me hey i'm thinking of this line but you know i think getty lee 
like on 2112 probably would have done a fill like this or maybe we can go a king crimson type and he would have all these different ideas on the base just for little fills and little accent it was awesome that has to be supremely satisfying as a musician with as long and storied careers you've had to still be able to come together and create such dynamic and thriving music i mean that's got to just make you like just so crazy happy at the end of the day you know yeah it's it's cool because we've uh you know we've all known each other forever in the band and we have uh very different opinions on sports and sports teams and food and women <laughs> we, we would we argue like cats and dogs over everything but when it comes to music it's like man, everybody's on the exact same page so, i mean <laughs> nice. it's very cool Nice, nice. Well, that's right. You were the guy that always trolled Baker but Mayfield fans, right? Oh yeah, I keep yeah. Doing that. <laughs> I remember that now. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. that's great. Well, yeah, that's working out. So <laughs> yeah, every time there's a, every time there's a post on the Guardians, I post uh, uh, WOFB win one for Baker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice, nice. So, um, Mark, of all the songs that you've that you've written which one do you have the most emotional connection to oh man that's a that's a great question um yeah i mean it, it would have to be you know something early because it was such a struggle early on probably the crucifix um because that was uh, i was really proud of that song i actually wrote half of it on an apple too computer oh, wow. <laughs> um because i was hired to write a uh um a local computer company hired me to do some alan parsons project music on an apple II. so they let me borrow an apple II with uh their alf synthesizer card so i had that for a week i had finished the uh alan parsons song and i had some time and uh, I just wanted to approach songwriting just a little differently. I had the music in my head for the harmonies on the crucifix. And uh, so I, I just put them on the computer and on the computer, I could work out the melody line and the harmony and the rhythm section, something that I would just previously just have to imagine because I didn't have any form of a multi-track recorder. So I took advantage of that and then worked on the crucifix uh, played it for the guys and I was really we were really happy with it uh, we were going to put it on our first EP but I didn't have an acoustic guitar um, we were very poor so we used to borrow a lot of our equipment from the music store and they were great about that but they actually sold the acoustic guitar that they were going to loan me so the song had to wait till ample destruction and then I borrowed another acoustic guitar and so yeah it was great seeing a song that I worked on that much finally make it to a record that's great that's awesome. So I noticed like, you know, your music has evolved over the years yet maintains this like recognizably unique core sound, you know, can you talk or tell us a little bit about your own personal evolution as a musician or in so and songwriter? Yeah, I think my main goal, I, I, I've always considered myself a heavy metal fan uh, far and above before a musician. I mean, I, always been a metal fan i still am listen to it every day listen to a lot of different bands so i set my goal early on to i wanted to become a good enough musician and i wanted the band be to be good enough where i could just play the music i heard in my head as a fan 
So I, I don't approach a song as, you know, this is a musician. I want to write the song like that. I approach it as a fan and this is what I would like to hear. So, um, yeah, we, we didn't hit that till about our third or fourth album where I thought we were getting close to what I'm hearing it in my head. And, uh, yeah, now, now with this, with the hallowed, it's, it's beyond what I hear in my head, which is really cool. I mean, and it's beyond it with everybody else's performance. I mean, I can imagine some really cool drum parts. So when I hear something even cooler, uh, that's a big thrill. And I, you know, I've worked with, I've known Harry since we were six. So I, I know what he do vocally, which is a ton. And so I imagine some pretty great vocal parts. And so for him to surpass them was, uh, was really cool. Nice. And, um, we did the recording a little different for this record. We, we paired people up with, a, I call it a mentor. Maybe there's a, a better word. For uh, drums, we chose Ken Mary. You know, Ken's the drummer for Fifth Angel, for Flotsam and Jetsam. And he's a great engineer, and he's got the best-sounding drum room in Arizona. It's a fantastic-sounding drum room. And it's a big drum room, enough for our drummer to fit his giant, old-school 1982 huge Yamaha kit in there. <laughs> First time he's used it in 20 years. He's got a bunch wow. of drum, and that one is huge. So... Um, we paired him up with Ken Mary. Uh, we recorded bass live with drums. We'd never done that, so that went really well. Um, we paired up lead guitar, uh, Ken, with a guy, Casey Weaver, uh, in, also in Arizona, who is known for his lead guitar work. He's got a whole bunch of great vintage and modern guitar amplifiers, and that's really his specialty, even though you know he's a great all-around engineer as well. But he, we really felt he could specialize in lead guitar. And it was Harry and I on vocals again. I recorded Harry like I always have. So, and then we took it all down to a, to more sound to mix. Wow! So the the drum kit hasn't been used in forty years. <laughs> yeah, I don't. He's got about That's five amazing. kits. So, um, okay. Yeah, this is his early '80s kit when he was a kid, and you know, Clyde Burr was his favorite drummer. So. It's a big Yamaha that's just been sitting there. I mean, well-maintained, but it sounded phenomenal. Yeah, the drum sounds just stunning on this record. And it's oh, just man. drum sound. He plays loud. It's a loud drum set. The room sounds phenomenal. Yeah, See, you I'll can be tell happy with that. Dread Bulls, he always gives me grief because as a drummer, I listen to drums. I listen to how records are mixed. And the drums are usually the first thing I'm listening to. Like, how are the drums going to sound in the mix? Too <laughs> Mostly often the they, snare. <laughs> yeah, too often they get buried. You know, they get pushed away. You know, like in country yeah. music, you bury them. That's, you know, the drums aren't loud in country music. But in rock and in metal, you want those drums to be up, you know, equal with everything else, you know? Yeah, and to, to get an idea how well everything went, Rickard was uh, bringing his drum kit in at 6 o'clock the night before the recording. And he called me at... Uh, 615 and said okay i got the drum set up and he called me at 625 okay we got the sounds 10 minutes wow. to get the drum wow, wow. incredible wow. wow and um yeah the same with everything um mixing the album at more sound usually it takes about four hours to get the bass tones dialed in now jim had the bass tones dialing in in just under an hour huh. and he said wow this is just wonderfully recorded everything so it was uh it, it just went so smooth. Yeah, I was just going to ask, is this one of the smoothest uh, processes you've ever had for an album? Sounds like everything yeah, has just gone perfectly. 
Yeah, it's not even close. I mean, this is on a whole other level for smoothness. Um, everybody in the band took a lot of time to make sure they were prepared, well rehearsed, and that their equipment and, you know, they were comfortable in the recording environment. We really wanted a performance. I, I always get a good performance out of everybody in the band. You know, they're pros, so that that's never a concern, but I wanted a a very comfortable organic performance from everybody. I, I didn't want anybody to finish a track and say that's good enough. I, I wanted everybody to be hundred percent behind every one of their performances. And they were, which was which was really nice. Awesome. Do you guys tend to have the same uh formula every time you get together to record? Is it always do you always get together for like do you guys write and record? all in one big batch or is it you do all the writing and then get together and you know like that's how it usually goes i know some bands try to do everything uh in one session or you know like take a two or three weeks or whatever to to write and record an album how, how do you guys usually do it well we usually do it where i i start with the demo and then everybody starts fine-tuning it so we did it that way as well i started with the demo and then everybody fine-tuned it and then we did everything for real for the demo run so we did everything for real i even mixed it for real i spent a week mixing it and then we listened to it and talked about it for another two months and then we made some fine tuning and then we went in over a three-week period and then did it for real okay so three weeks of hardcore recording at that point oh yeah every day cool. sessions every day um i recorded my own guitar parts and i went for uh I think 29 hours straight. Ooh. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, uh, I just got there... on a roll. <laughs> yeah. Is there any footage of this recording? I mean, we, I, as a fan, I'd love to see mm -hmm. bands in the studio. I'd love to see their process and, and mixing and, and how an album comes together. Is there any footage of this that some of us hungry fans? A little might documentary? Go see? Yeah. A little behind yeah. the scenes? Yeah. I, th I think I'm actually going to do a documentary. Oh, because, uh, I, I did interview everybody in the band and um yeah there's you know there's a lot of things that we were talking about for the documentary like for uh you know for lead guitar our um our longtime touring guitarist ken wanted the gig and ken's a great guy and does great with us on the road and plays all the leads note for note and i you know in the documentary and to my bandmates i expressed i said i, I don't know if uh you know i was familiar with his other projects and these lead guitar playing is great but the music was so different from what we had and i had some concerns as to whether he would fit you know with his melodies and lead and he just said you know give me a shot oh my god i gave him a shot and i was so wrong <laughs> he fit like a charm i mean he sounded phenomenal so that, that's some things we talk about in the documentary nice. oh i love that stuff it always it mm -hmm. just gives me a even a deeper appreciation of the, of the music when it comes out you can get some little insights, you know, into the making of a song and kind of the thought process behind it and things, different things that you tried. I, I love that stuff. It just makes me appreciate the music all, all that much more. Yeah, and after Ken recorded two songs, most of the band is like, Oh my God, he's got the gig. He sounds phenomenal. But we had one guy in the band says, no, I want to hear every song. I want to hear him play on all 10. <laughs> So I'm the one that had to call Ken and I said, look, we love what you're doing. We love what you're doing. But and I wasn't going to pin it on one guy to Ken. I just said, we love what you're doing, but we're going to have to hear everything. And he said, OK, I'm ready to go with everything. 
So he was a trooper and went through the whole album demo process, not having the official gig yet, which was great. I mean, that just took guts to do that. And he just delivered some phenomenal guitar parts. So then the the guy who wanted to hear all 10 said, okay, give him the gig. (laughs) He said, I'll call him and tell him. He said, I said, no, I'm calling him. I'm the one that had to tell him he's got to wait. Well, how did he take the news? Yeah, he was pretty psyched because he he said he loves going out on the road with us. And, uh, you know, you never know with people because he's he's a professional musician. He's got a bunch of other gigs going on. So I didn't know what he felt about this. I just knew we loved going on the road with him. He's like a brother Mm -hmm. to us. Yeah, he was very pleased. I think he screamed on the phone. (laughs) Nice, (laughs) nice. Speaking well, of the road, oh, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say about touring, the road. Yes, yeah, uh, touring. We've been doing us our, our other show today. too, uh, Mark, where more Dreadbull was going to ask the question. I literally had next like four times. I'm like, hey, are you looking at my notes? Um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about touring. What were you going to ask, Dred? Yeah, I was just going to ask if you're getting some thought to your uh, when you do get out on tour for this album to your live show and the presentation, maybe you know venues that could support backdrops or visuals and stuff have you given some thought to how you want that show to look if you get a a proper treatment at a venue yeah we're gonna we've never had a big backdrop so we're gonna go with one of those this time um boy i would you know i'd like to have the best show possible but it's it's honestly has to come down to budget and uh, Mm -hmm. and what we can do but yeah i think we're gonna do a huge backdrop we've got a uh uh, metal melts the ice winter tour coming in january which is a couple weeks in europe and I, I think it takes us to five countries which will be uh that'll be a fun tour we've got some great shows lined up in august but i don't know the word came out um we can't talk about the shows publicly mark <laughs> so, yeah I was, I was the one singled out about oh you okay that. they're drumming me i'm like yeah I, I can cut all this out that's fine <laughs> So there's uh, there's two tours. Um, yeah, the January tour, which is called Metal Melty Ice Winter Tour Europe, and then uh, some uh, more Europe in in uh, August. Okay. Well, I I know it's premature, but do you do you want to have a, a tour in the states? Will Jag Panzer be touring the states? Yeah, I would love to. Um, we'll we'll have to see how it goes. Yeah, we always have a great time in the states. Because you know. Cleveland would be a really good place to swing by because there's really great pizza in Cleveland. I know that's your favorite food to eat on the road. <laughs> and I could like bring you a couple pizzas from our local pizza places, you know, just to, you know, make it a little better of a choice. Oh, Cleveland's <laughs> my favorite place to play in the U.S. I make Really? Oh, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. The first time we played Cleveland, I was talking to somebody outside and, you know, we were talking about the differences in which fine records when they switch singers. And I said, man, how cool is that? Then I can have this kind of conversation with somebody. And every time we played Cleveland, um, we played, you know, the Brave Words. We played a couple times with Iced Earth. I think we played Cleveland with Halloween. It's always been a great gig and, and the audiences are great. And I always have great conversations with everybody. Yeah, Cleveland is is always my favorite place to play. I, you know, I like the, I have lots of great places to play in the U.S., but Cleveland just has a special place for me. Awesome. That's, uh, that's awesome. So yeah, we we definitely want to to come see you. I mean, we want to come see the band and stop and say hi, you know, and just <laughs> and uh, that would that would be great. So please keep us in the loop. Like when that time comes, 
uh, we definitely would like to know about that. So, um, speaking of pizza places, what's some of the best pizza you've had lately? Oh, there's a place, and uh, it's funny. They have all these, you know, pizza review sites. They're becoming the big thing. And then there's uh, Dave Portnoy's got his pizza review channel. and uh, on. So that's sort of a big thing now. I disagree with almost all of them. Um, the place I like is probably about a 40-minute drive from my house. It's called Dew Drop Inn. It's a, it's a heavy pizza. The thing weighs about seven pounds. <laughs> it's a thick pizza. It's... um. The dough is slightly sweet, like sort of a little bit on the path to a cinnamon roll dough. Um, mm. They use the highest quality cheese possible and they have a great sauce recipe. And, uh, you know, a, a big guy like myself, I can eat at most two pieces. So that's that's worth the 40 minute drive. I mean, that's that's delicious pizza. Um, there's a few places in Denver that are good. Um, we have a couple well, I think we have three Detroit-style pizzas here in Colorado Springs, and they're all good. Yeah, there's there's good pizza all around now. Nice. Yeah, if you're ever in the Cleveland area, I know Montag and his wife know all the good places to eat yeah, in nor- yeah. northern Ohio. So yeah, we, that's who we, me and my wife go to every time we're looking for something new. Yeah, Give us we, a recommendation. We are uh, we like to um, to try new things. Uh, yeah, we we enjoy the food stuffs. So. Getting back to some touring questions, because there's a lot of questions we 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 didn't ask last time, and some are fun. It's, but you know, I'm I'm just really enjoying this conversation. So, um, what song do you enjoy playing live the most? Of all your catalog, when you put it, you're putting your set list together. What song are you like totally psyched? Like, yeah, this is this is the one I am happiest playing live. Oh, I, I like Warfare from. Uh from ample destruction because i can i can have fun with the audience i can play that really well without ever glancing at my guitar that's funny but now that i said that i somebody will drive somebody will dig up a video where i'm looking at my guitar <laughs> I, can, uh, I can play that and have a lot of fun and a communication with the audience um shadow thief is always fun because i can do that and have a lot of communication with the audience um I think those two are uh, generally hostile, big double bass thrasher. That's always fun. Yeah. Any, I, I just, I really like the songs that I can interact with the audience and, and a song I can shout in the microphone is always a big bonus too. And, or songs that uh, we bring, sometimes we bring guests up on stage with us. Like we had King Fowley come up when we played New York city and uh, those are always fun too. So that's, you know, typically warfare. Someone will come up. Yeah. Yeah, King Fowley, uh, he's been on, and he, he's mm-hmm. coming back on in a few weeks. We're actually going to be discussing Hammer Hammer films, and uh, with King, yeah, he's he's a larger than life personality. That's <laughs> yeah, for sure. Great. Yeah, he's yeah, a great guy. I love hanging out with him. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, he he seems had... like he'd just be—you'd never know what would happen hanging out with that guy. He just right. seems like yeah, yeah. He had nothing but possible. great things to say about you too. He's like, oh yeah, Mark's a great guy. I'm like, yeah, we were just talking, you know. So it's it's very cool. Um, okay. What is your most Spinal Tap-like moment that you've ever had on tour? <laughs> well, we were on tour with Gamma Ray, and we were in the eastern part of Germany, and we were playing this huge, huge, I think they called it, they translated to a multicultural building. So it was really a giant building that had everything in it. It had several auditoriums. It had a gymnasium. It had some classrooms and some meeting halls. And we got lost. We we knew where we were playing. 
and then we're wandering around <laughs> looking for a restroom or we're looking a lot of gigs you have to sort of try to find your own dressing room you know just try to find a space and there's plenty of space in this building so we're looking around and we got lost we didn't know what floor we were playing on and we, we found somebody working in there and uh, he's trying to help us find it and he doesn't speak any english yeah we must have wandered around for 45 minutes till we <laughs> finally found where we're supposed to play yeah that's very spinal tap <laughs> You almost want to say hello, Cleveland. You know, hello. Um, that's right. oh, we play. Uh, yeah, our our singer said that uh, when we were playing at uh, in Cincinnati once. And that, that <laughs> probably over. didn't go over very well. <laughs> oh no, not at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we have that lovely in-state rivalry. You know, it's just uh, <laughs> one of those things. I think the rivalry between Cleveland and Cincinnati is not nearly as bad as Cleveland and Pittsburgh, but it's still there. Mm -hmm. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he oh. said thank you, Cleveland, after one of the songs. I just <laughs> heard it. Like, Come on. Oh, man. Yeah. Write the name. It's it's there on the app, man, on the on the monitor. <laughs> Cincinnati. Um okay, Mark. What was the best show you ever played and what made it your best show? Uh, <clears throat> ah, let me think. Best show, best show. Um Probably the, the the first time we headlined Keep It True, I would say that was just a jam-packed crowd. Um, everybody at the band, we were so well rehearsed. We had flew in a couple days before, so we were sleeping well, um, well rehearsed, relaxed. Crowd, everybody singing along to all the songs. That was absolutely incredible. Nice. That's, uh... And that's a, that's a great promoter, too. Uh, Oliver over there, he he knows how to take care of bands, and it was the whole thing was great. That's fantastic. I, I knowing from what we've learned from talking with a lot of people like yourself, is you don't often get good rest on the road. You're all usually tired and often get sick, and you kind of have to play through all these things. So that 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 uh, has to make a huge difference, you know. Yeah, our our tour right before COVID was that uh, it was a lot of dates. It was from London all the way across Europe and ending in Sweden Rock with kiss and zz top and a lot of those gigs i i think at least six or seven of those gigs were off stage and then we'd have a 5 a.m airport call Ooh. and that's brutal because that's going through security that's checking things in and you haven't slept and then you got to catch a flight and then you got to get picked up at the airport and check into another hotel yeah that was brutal gigs were great though same, yeah, I think we we had, uh, I think we had sellouts sixty percent of the gigs. I mean, those those are just those are a lot of fun. We uh, <laughs> the first gig in uh, London, we did Foggy Do, and I'm halfway through the song, and I realized, oh my god, we can't play an Irish rebel song in London. <laughs> oh my god! And then we finished the set, and some big guy comes up to me. Hey, you played an Irish rebel song in London. And I said, I know. And then he gives me a big hug. You got balls, mate. <laughs> <laughs> then all everything went right with the world. Crisis averted. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. We're not going to take you out on the pitch and uh, try to put you in the, between the posts. Nice. Um, Mark, I'd like to ask you some hypothetical situations. Sure. We had done a few of these in our last show. 
but uh, okay. I was careful to to not repeat so all anything we asked you from our last show. Um, okay. Speaking of festivals and touring, you are creating a one day festival. What okay. five bands do you want to play, and who's headlining? Oh, that's a man. That's a great um, a great question. Um, you know, I, I think I would have Accept headline because I've seen their headline set in Europe, and it's phenomenal. You know, most people in America have seen Accept you know, on the smaller stages in America and it's fine. And it's still great. I mean, I love except, but accepts full on headlining set, the staging and everything is incredible. And I think every metal fan should see that. So I absolutely would have except headline. Um, I would have Sabaton play, even though in the real world, Sabaton would probably headline over except anywhere. I mean, Sabaton yeah. is huge. And, um, uh, the reason I'd have Sabaton, um, I've seen them twice and they put on a very good show, but I, they're drawing in a, a younger crowd of metal fans, which is great. I mean, to have, so I think for a younger crowd to see bands like Accept would be great. You know, it would sort of be a different experience and everything. So, uh, yeah, I'd bring in Sabaton. I'd still have Accept headlining, you know, even though everybody's going to say, well, it's not going to work that way. You know, this is my <laughs> this is my fantasy. It's sure, right. Well, that's right. That's right. Um, of course, I would have. Uh, you know, I'd have to have Jack Panzer play, and I wouldn't care where we played on the bill. Um, it would just be fun to play. I would have uh, Witchfine play. I I saw them play at Sweden Rock, and it was everything I imagined a new wave of British heavy metal show would be. I mean, it was just so cool and so much energy and they're just dripping with sweat by the end of the night. It was a great show. I got off stage from us and just hurry up and got dressed. And I went and waited, you know, 40 minutes at the front just so I could have front row for witch find. And it was completely worth it. So I would have witch find. Let's see. And we have to have, um, one more band i'd probably have witch hazel from the uk i mean there that last album is phenomenal and not a lot of people have heard of them i have not no yeah. me neither mm -mm. we gotta add it to the list red bull yeah yeah i gotta write that down yeah witch hazel nice hazel. interesting what are they uh what what are they like it's pretty melodic um yeah it's, it's kind of the new wave of british heavy metal and uh -huh. i hope i I hope the name is right. I'm terrible with band names. I mean, you would think that I, I would like to say I'm good at it, but I'm not. I just <laughs> just get a playlist of music and just play music all day. But I think it's Witch Hazel. <laughs> well, we'll look for it. Yeah, um, I'm I'm looking them up right now. So yeah, yeah we're always we're always Hazel. into new new music. We're always looking to find something new, you know, to listen oh, to. Some great album art. So okay, cool. cool. Yeah, did I get the name right? You did, Witch Hazel. Yeah, that's exactly okay. Mm -hmm. Nice. We'll have to yeah. invite them on next year. Formed in oh, 2007. They're, they're incredible. Excellent. Okay. If you could be any superhero for 24 hours, who would you be? And what would you do with your day of power? <laughs> oh, that would be good. Um, uh, let me think. Superhero. Um, well, I think I would be Aquaman and I it would just explore the, the ocean is such an unknown. I mean, I love the ocean anyway. I mean, 
I just I love it. I, I try to go to the ocean as much as possible and jump in it. And yeah, I think I would be Aquaman and just explore. God, that's probably a terrible answer because I'm not saving humanity or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, really want to see everything. Nice. That's an interesting answer. I'd be too scared. I hate deep water. That scares me. So. <laughs> With Aquaman, though, I'd just be Aquaman. I'd just be wading out into the shallows and stay yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, we we both have a phobia of the deep dark water. There's yeah, something yeah. big down there that could eat us. You know, there's something oh, large. Exactly. Um, but as Aquaman, though, you'd have control over the creatures. Well, that's true. You know, I still would be too scary. Okay, <laughs> I'd still be too scared. Yeah, it's weird. I, I don't. Um, I don't like to think of myself as being scared of water. And I'm a certified scuba diver, and I'm a good swimmer. But my last trip into the ocean, I'm you know snorkeling over these reefs, and it's about sixty feet deep. And then I could see over the reef wall to about four hundred feet deep, and mm. I just couldn't. I couldn't get myself to go over there. Yeah, yeah. Anything could come just come up out of the, the, those murky depths, you know. Mm -hmm. I've seen too many YouTube videos lately too of people you know, <laughs> of a shark coming out. Somebody dives in off a cliff, you know, and then that I don't know if they're real or not, but it, it's scary anyway. And yeah, because underwater, a shark comes out. Yeah, and, and you're limited with your senses. You, there's nothing yeah. under your ground. You're you're completely vulnerable, you know. Yeah, it's that yeah empty place for your imagination to fill in the yeah the gaps and as a kid who always you know wore glasses as a kid going underwater was terrifying because you know you you, you couldn't see you know i always always get really confused as to what way was up you know, i'm like oh god i'm gonna drown you know so <laughs> yeah no i i get it okay aquaman that's cool oh. that's cool yeah I, I know what you mean when i was i got glasses when i was nine and i had terrible vision yeah and that was terrible going underwater and couldn't see anything and mm -hmm. so yeah right Right when they offered um, radio keratotomy in our town, which was not the laser back then, they cut your eye with a blade. I said, sign me up. <laughs> so yeah, I was one of the first people around here to get the uh, old school cut your eye open with a knife. And I've had great vision since. Oh, cool. Nice. Excellent. Speaking of phobias, do you have any that you'd be willing to share? Um, I don't think we've ever asked a guest if they have any phobias. Not for a long time. Yeah, I'm not a big snake fan. Even though I run into rattlesnakes occasionally. Yeah, and it's always very startling when I see one. Um, yeah, probably, uh, probably snakes. I'm uh, I'm okay with sharks. I've been in the water with sharks. Uh, that's okay. Run into bears quite a bit, and you know I, I'm careful around them, but I'm not. The bears don't scare me a whole lot. Yeah, probably snakes. Yeah, that's maybe on my top two ways of not to die is to be eaten by some predatory animal. That's the huh. that's I, I that, didn't that's, know that. Oh my god, that just that idea just scares the shit out of me. Eating the yeah, eating like the a death. bear or something, yeah. you know, get mauled by a bear and then it just starts eating chowing down. You might not even be dead yet, and it's gonna right. Start, it just keeps on eating. Start yeah, you're, digging yeah. in. Yeah. Um, nah. ang angry crowds freak me out. I mean. Uh, protests that start I've been in Europe in places where they're having protests that are start getting a little heated and yeah that I, I'm a little apprehensive around that so I sort of keep a distance from that that's the self-preservation there <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> yeah yeah okay last hypothetical if you could cover an entire album and play it live which album would it be 
Oh, uh, that that's you don't even have to think about that one. That would be number of the beast. That would be uh, oh, oh nice. That, that's nice. something I think at one point we almost did cover the whole record. I mean, we just used to have fun at practice. Just uh, you know, we we went for a year and a half of never missing a day of practice. I mean, Christmas Day every day, practice wow. every day for hours, and that was around just a little bit. Um, number of the beast had been out a couple years and. Yeah, we would, you'd get a little stir crazy, you know, after a couple hours of your own song. And yeah, there was a time where we could play everything off a of number of the beast fairly well. I mean, we had all the solos, no for no. Um, Harry does Dickinson pretty well. So um, yeah, that would be a lot of fun. And that would be a nice nostalgia for me to, uh, to play everything from number of the beast again. Nice. That would be a fun album to cover. Yeah. Well, your- I have a I have a question along those lines. So Dream Theater did that. They 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 covered the entirety of uh, Number of the Beast in one of their live tours years ago. Oh, uh, cool! Yeah, and they kind of changed up Gangland. They turned it into a uh, sort a of swing. This, yeah, this jazzy sort of piece. Oh. Is there any? Is there any? Is there any song on that album that you would uh, kind of uh, remix a little bit or remake uh, into a more of a, a different a, genre, a different style? You know. Yeah, I I just, I mean, that's pretty cool what Dream Theater did. I I could never bring myself to change anything on an Iron Maiden song. I I just, well, there's actually a few records. Um, We used to play a lot of the songs off the Angel Witch debut album, and we'd play Angel Witch and um, Atlantis and White Witch. And yeah, we didn't change any of those notes. Um, I don't know. I don't think I'm creative enough to make a change to Iron <laughs> Maybe that's just too sacred, that music. It's yeah. too sacred to change. We can, we'll we be happy to send you a copy of that if you'd like it, Mark. I think to... our bass player has a copy of that. I remember him telling me about some of the Dream yeah. Theater. Yeah, they used to, if they if they um, played a second night in, in one venue, they would, uh, on the second night uh, as an encore, they would do an entire album cover. You know, they did uh, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah, they did Maiden. Uh, they did. Uh, did they do Master of Puppets? Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty yep, sure Master yep, of Puppets. Yep, Master of Puppets. Yeah, so they're yeah. crazy. Like that, so. I've never played a Metallica cover tune, which is really odd. Oh wow! Even though I love, I mean, I was the huge fan of Kill 'Em All and Ride the Lightning and Master Puppets. I, I actually really love the Black album as well. I know a lot of people don't like when I say that, but. I do love that album. And yeah, I've never covered a Metallica song. Never even played one of them. I can, you know, play some few Metallica riffs just from just listening to it and playing it. But yeah, never really learned a Metallica song. If you could pick one, which one would you would you play? Oh, Ride the Lightning, probably. That's oh, that riff that's is killer. One. Yeah, yeah, that is nice. Okay, Mark, uh, who are some of your favorite writers? Or if you want to talk about some of your favorite books. Oh, uh, Clyde Barker. Absolutely. Um, I like, um, I like Jillian Flynn or is it, I I don't know if it's Jillian or Gillian. Oh, it actually might be Gillian Flynn. You know, we had that song in her movie, Dark Places. So I read that book when we got hired on for the movie and then I read Gone Girl and she's a really good mystery writer. So I like her writing. Um, like Lovecraft. Um, yeah, probably Clyde Barker though. I'm I'm not a big uh not a big Anne Rice guy. I read a couple of her books, didn't really click, not a big Stephen King guy either, uh, which I argue a lot with some of my bandmates who who love Stephen King, but I 
I don't know. Just couldn't connect to it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a race fan either. Um, so I, I get that. I could, I could get into a uh, Jag Panzer HP Lovecraft uh, concept sort of album. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> There's do, do, do that next. <laughs> Harry, do that next. Yeah. Harry's middle name starts with P. So yeah, for years we used to call him HP. HP. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's nice, awesome. Nice. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Uh, what is your drink of choice? Oh, um, <laughs> that's a funny story. I like, um, I like Lindemann's Creek, the, the Belgian beer made from fresh fruit. It's oh, like a, like a, like a Lambois or is it fruit? Was it Lamb Lambic? Lamb is that... Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, We've it's had that. the land. I mean, it is I different. I love Belgian beer. Oh man. Mm-hmm. Lindemann's Creek is the cherry version. There's Lindemann's peach. There's Lindemann's Creek. There's Lindemann's Frambos. Um, yeah, there's there's hundreds of lambics made around the world, but none are like Lindemans. I mean, Lindemans taste phenomenal. Uh, we were on tour once, and they were having a tasting event, and I had it on my calendar. I'm like, all right, Lindemans, Lindemans. And the day came, and I called a taxi, and he said, "You're not dressed for that." It was a black tie affair, oh. and um, he called the brewery. And uh, they said, yeah, you know, it, it would be really cool to have a touring musician here, really. But we, it, we, it really is a black tie event. So, wow, that was a little sad. But on this 2019 tour, we were in, um, I forget where we were at. I mean, you would think it would have been Belgium, but it, it might have been, um, might have been the Netherlands or, or Belgium. It was um, somewhere in Europe where, you know, you always get to, uh, beer if you're the band. And the um, the club owner said it was a great crowd. So it was packed. And he said, we got some beer for you guys. I uh, I hope you like it. And it's a little obscure. It's Lindemans. And I thought my bandmates were playing a joke on me. I said, come on. Because in U.S. Lindemans is like $8 a bottle. You know, no one's giving it to a band. But, yeah, we had all the Lindemans we could drink. I was in heaven. <laughs> so then I thought my bandmates aren't going to drink it. So I'm going to have this whole thing to myself, but I made the mistake of talking the guys into it. Come on, try it. And so, yeah, they drank the rest. Oh. I, ended up, I ended up only getting three. Oh. Lesson learned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Note to self, keep mouth shut. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, we, we've had, uh, we used to have beer tastings um, yeah. at our house and we had the, we had the, the, uh, was it the, the Frambois? Is that? Is yeah. That- yeah, we we we've had that. That's and, raspberry. Uh, yeah, it is it is delicious. Um, quite quite tasty. Okay. You ever see, uh, you ever see the, that old series? Um, I don't think it's been re-released digitally. Called the Beer Hunter. No. It was a, a gentleman named Michael Jackson, not the one glove singer, <laughs> different Michael Jackson, uh, British beer expert. And he would go to these different breweries around the world and go to local pubs around the brewery. It was a really well done documentary and it's called the beer hunter. It was a uh, BBC series and there was about 12 episodes. It was incredible. That would make me thirsty to try all those beers. I mean, that's the thing. Like you watch a show like that, you want to try every one of those beers. Yeah. And this, it was just such a well done documentary. The guy knew, beer like the back of his hand and just ask the most interesting questions it was great oh that sounds really cool it's probably on youtube the beer hunter oh yeah Yeah. i'll definitely look for it jotting Um, that down too my uh my wife's sister's uh 
ex-boyfriend used to well he he's a beer maker and he used to oh. make beer um and would would bring gallons of it and and uh he had a you know small kegs and uh, bring growlers and things and he used to, he would find these older recipes he had one that was supposedly uh from Benjamin Franklin like the wow. beer that he used cool. to make and Oh my gosh, that uh, was delicious. Was it that was the a, Imperial Stout? No, no, it was a different one. But he, it was, uh, I, I forget what, but it was a real heavy, kind of slightly sweet. It was a winter beer for sure. It was a heavier beer, much more a thicker mouthfeel. But it was deep notes of molasses and things like that. Oh man, it was, it was remarkable. But his, his Imperial Stout was amazing too. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah, I was really sad when they, uh, when they no longer were together, because I thought, well, we're never going to get this beer again. Goes our beer Here goes connection. Our beer. Goes our beer connection. Uh, yeah, we have uh, we have some great local breweries here. The water's fantastic here in Colorado, so we've got well, there's about four or five great breweries just in my town with these great brew pubs. So I'll go there and sit. And yeah, there's not a, not a shortage of great beer here in Colorado Springs at all. Yeah, yeah the Cleveland area has a pretty 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 good microbrewery mm-hmm. uh scene too so mm-hmm. yeah you have you have that one brewery in cleveland that just did really well at the great american beer fest here probably I great lakes I, i'm no that's not it um if i heard the name i would remember does fat it have fat? yes fathead yeah that's it. yeah it's just that fatheads uh about a week or about two mm-hmm. weeks ago actually yeah for dinner yeah they, yeah they have a good circulating selection depending on the season um I always like to get it from the tap if I can, you know, draft beer is so much better. Fatheads is where I got my my, oh, trooper, cool. my trooper beer. In fact, I have a friend who's heavily into beer and he's, he writes places I need to have a beer when I go on tour and that's his pick for Cleveland. Nice. Oh yeah. And you want yeah. some of the fries. Oh, the, you got to get the smoked wings. And they, oh, I'm man. sure they have pizza, but you want to get the smokehouse wings. Um, they, it's they're mammoth and uh, everything at Fatheads is delicious. Yeah. It's a great yeah. place. If they have pizza at all, I have to get that. And, and <laughs> yeah. Drives, well, that, it, that drives my bandmates crazy. Um, <laughs> they the like what you like. Pizza by Robert is the pizza that I was going to suggest. That's in okay. Westlake. It's a few miles from Cleveland, but you, you we'll we'll talk when you come to tour. <laughs> I'll bring it to you when we go see you. So. We were on tour once, and uh, you know I was promised a pizza. And we get there for the show and ticket sales are great. And the promoter says, you know, I know I promised pizza, but I'm uh, taking you guys out for a seven course meal. And the other bandmates are going, yeah, I'm going like hell. <laughs> <laughs> I want my pizza, damn it. As and they thought I was joking until some of my bandmates pulled the promoter aside and said, um, yeah, you're going to have to get Mark a pizza. He <laughs> And, uh, you know, and then there was a whole argument. Come on, this is a seven course meal. And I said, look, I appreciate you did that. And the other guys like it. But, you know, I really going to hold you to that pizza promise. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's great, man. That's awesome. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, all this food talk, we're going to lead to our our last game that we're going to play tonight. Uh, This is this is called Blast Beats. It's a new game. Well, okay. relatively, since then, you had been on. I want to ask you a series of questions. A lot of them are multiple choice or, you know, short answer. And I just want you to give me the answer as quick as possible. Okay. All right. Here we go. Hot dog or hamburger? Hamburger. Ketchup on hot dogs? Yes or no? No. Pen or pencil? Pen. 
paperback or Kindle? Kindle. Favorite streaming service? Netflix. PC or Apple? Apple. Favorite holiday? Halloween. Favorite ice cream flavor? Chocolate chip cookie dough. Dog or cat? Dog. Batman or Superman? Batman. Avengers or Justice League? Avengers. Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Trek. Dracula or Frankenstein? Dracula. Bigfoot or Loch Ness Monster? Bigfoot, or as they call them in Europe, Big Meter. Yeah, or Sasquatch. (laughs) How do you like your steak cooked? Uh, So it's like black leather. (laughs) 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 I'm I'm totally serious. Very, very, very well done. So it's completely dry, and then I soak it in. However you pronounce that sauce that starts with a W. Worcestershire? Yeah, I soak it in Worcestershire, <laughs> and it's love it. Like a piece of leather that tastes like Worcestershire. <laughs> it's almost like beef jerky at that time. It is. It's yeah. like a hot, warm beef jerky. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, favorite movie snack? Popcorn. Favorite sport? Football. Favorite subject in school? Computers. Least favorite subject in school? Uh, English. Favorite board game? Game of Life. Spielberg? No, Masterpiece. I'm, i got to back that up. Masterpiece. masterpiece. Yeah, Masterpiece. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's, a, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Spielberg or Tarantino? Tarantino. Your favorite season of the year? Winter. Your favorite Christmas gift? Um, yeah, we were we were pretty poor growing up. Um, yeah, we we didn't have any money, but my parents got me a used, beat up pinball machine from the pawn shop. That was nice. incredible. Uh, pinball is cool. fantastic. Yeah. Okay, yeah. your first crush? Um. Well, I was five or six. My best friend was Diane, and we used to listen to uh, Disney records together. <laughs> nice. There you go. Can you feel the love tonight? Yeah. First, uh, first celebrity crush was, um, oh, what is her name on the Bugaloos? Oh, yeah, the singer. Joy. Yeah, the, the jo- yeah. yeah. That's funny because yeah. that was my next question. Your celebrity crush. That's awesome. Yeah, that was, yeah, was my first one. Was Joy from the Bugaloos and. Um, I showed her to my girlfriend, Marie, and she says, well, you know, if you look at her face and Marie blocked out her hair and she said she looks like Britney Spears and she actually does look like a brunette Britney Spears. Huh. Wow. There it is. Wow. I, I remember the bugaloos. I remember they having hearing that theme song in my head right now. <laughs> um, okay. Your favorite line from this is Spinal Tap. Oh, um, Go ahead, kick my ass from Artie Pupka. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, nice. <laughs> yeah, we we've had record company people drop the ball many times on many things, and none of them have ever said that. They always deflect blame. Yeah, oh, no well, one I wants to take wrong it. information, or I didn't know this. In fact, none of them. I really respect that Artie owned up to nobody showing up at the in store. Uh, well, you... massive, massive respect and i have never seen that in the music business but yeah that was a great... <laughs> well you weren't on palmer records i guess that that's that's it okay yeah palmer they hold parties for their bands that's, that's a, right yeah right right yeah. 
Okay, the last the last um last beat question. The best concert you've ever attended. Oh, uh, absolutely Kicks. And uh, I'm not a Kicks fan. I didn't want to go. I went with um I I'm, I'm not going to drop a name. It, it is a much much more 50 levels higher in fame musician than myself. I was spending time with him and um his sister had tickets for Kicks. And uh, I did not like kicks. I said, nah, okay, but it was something to do. Oh my God, they were phenomenal live. I mean, they were every single person in kicks that night. If you put them in any other band would have been the best guy on stage. I mean, everybody, they opened the show. The singer had um, the microphone. He had a sparkler on it and it was red. So it looked like a stick of dynamite. And they all leaped in the air and all you saw was the sparkler and then a strobe light. And then they landed on a power cord and they were dripping sweat two songs in and they were just giving 100 percent, 10 percent nonstop the whole gig. It was phenomenal. That's the way to win a fan. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I have never I've seen great gigs since, but nothing like kicks in a small club. That's how you put on a live show. Raven is a very, very close second. Uh, Raven always puts on a great gig. Yeah, they're getting ready to go on a, a big tour in Europe. Uh, or in the yeah. States, right? So yeah, yeah, Raven. Okay, just a couple more questions, Mark, for tonight. Okay. Um, do you have any hidden talents? And if so, tell us about it. Oh, um, boy, that's a good one. Um, I'm... I'm okay at art. I'm probably, yeah, I'm okay at art. Um, I'm really good at, um, boy, that's so hard to say. It's, it's against my personality to, um, to boast. (laughs) I, I'm known to be a very, very good software developer, like really, really good at it. I get the most difficult projects always and uh, complete them um i i've done a children's book illustrated one for the colorado rockies baseball team so i was told my work on that was good um done some photography work um did a big billboard for uh, a uh, anti-domestic violence program and they, they picked my artwork for a billboard so that was up for a while um I don't know. I, I mean, everything. Yeah, it, it is really hard for me to talk about because everything I do, I know somebody that does it better. So I, I can't really say, you know, oh, I'm great at this. And, you know, my my guitar playing is sort of average because I play with guys that are world class. So um, my my songwriting, I mean, I think it's 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 very good. I think I'm, I'm happy with it. I think it's that I, I think I do a lot of things at a barely professional level but yeah i don't know about hidden talents that's a tough one okay well i i you kind of it may have even answered the the last question i was going to ask you was what's something that almost no one knows about you and you you kind of told us like 60 things that we didn't know yeah exactly very interesting um yeah most people don't know how much i love pixar films I mean, I love them. I, um, I mean, I used, to, I, 
ordered a videotape of the Pixar shorts in the 80s, back way before Toy Story. And, you know, it was Red's, Red's Dream, Luxo Jr. Um, these were just computer graphics were in its infancy. So these companies would just do these little two and three minute shorts. So I was fascinated by that back then that people could do uh, you know, stories and artwork on computers that just blew my mind. So I was heavily into that. Um, so yeah, I, I became a giant fan of Pixar films. I love Pixar movies. So uh, yeah, I will go out of my way. And it, you know, a lot of people are like, tell me, well, that's really weird. Those are kids' films. And I said, no, they're really clever and they're really well done. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, they have so much guy. depth. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. not just. Show. I mean, it's like watching a Bugs Bunny cartoon. I mean, the kids are going to appreciate it at one level. The adults are going to appreciate it at another, you know. Um, and the slapstick humor is great for the kids, but the storyline it's really it's 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 earnest and and the characters you care about. And I don't care. I mean, hey, I I found myself crying at the end of Toy Story three and four. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, and because like I I don't want Andy to grow up. I don't want his toys to feel yeah. abandoned. I was like, wait a minute, no, no, you know. Um, so I, I get it. You fall in love with these characters. And so, so they, they do a wonderful job with that. Yeah. That's where they're smart about it. Like give, give the parents that take the kids to these movies, something to enjoy too. And that, you know, then everybody's there having a good time. That's, that's a win for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, I, I guess the other thing that people don't know about me is I'm a total geek for art history. I mean, give me a Monet exhibit or if I can see Da Vinci's works or, uh, or anything like a Rembrandt or, uh, Diego Velasquez or anybody. I, I'm just a complete geek for for art history. Wow, nice! I Veritable going, Renaissance man. Yeah, when I was in, uh, I must have been in grad school. There was uh, the Toledo Museum of Art had um, had a Monet exhibit. Oh, and, nice! And they does you know water lilies and all these other. I mean, it's the first time I had ever seen them live because I'd seen them in the books, you know, my art history books when I was in you know school. But to see them live and see how big some of these paintings were, it was just just amazing. Um, and I know the Cleveland Museum of Art just had a a big thing this past summer um, called a Van the Van Gogh immersive experience, where they were showing his paintings on you know huge screens. Um, but it was not just, just pictures, but it was like entire rooms were consumed with the painting, like wrapped around the walls. And wow. Yeah. I saw larger that than, that. Yeah. Larger right. than life. And it, you just kind of feel like you're just walking into the painting. You're just part of this colossal experience. And so that, that was quite amazing too. Oh, and you can go down about 10 different rabbit holes and hear arguments from all around the world about how you even say Van Gogh's name. It is <laughs> believed it is most certainly not Van Gogh. Van Gogh, right? Van Gogh, or and there's arguments on how you pronounce that. And <laughs> what I guess what fascinates you know the artwork fascinates me, but what really fascinates me and motivates me is so many artists did not find success during their lifetime. I mean, we look at them now as you know, wow, these guys are all you know famous, including you know people like Van Gogh had many struggles during their lifetime to get noticed. So that a lot of times that is an inspiration for me in music to always just keep going. And, you know, financial rewards right now are not, that's not the be all end all of whether your music has lasting quality. Yeah. That, that's good. I mean, we want something to be around and to be substantial and, and uh, that, that makes perfect sense too. Yeah. As an artist, you want, you want people to appreciate your art 
know? Yeah, because I, I always have to remind people that Ample Destruction was not well received out of the gate. And everybody's like, what? So I have to break out the Metal Forces review. I said, this is the <laughs> biggest magazine in the world back then. And they ranked Ample Destruction 15th. And they said, well, 15th for the year is pretty good. No, 15th for the month. Oh, wow. And, you know, I have no hard feelings about that. I mean, you know, you, you review, you get what you get. But that was pretty much... And uh, subsequently, because of that review, I could not give Ample away on a license because we were only signed for the U.S. So I tried to license into European labels and they all turned me down and they all cited that review. <laughs> and I told oh, them, man. your own ears, you know, don't listen to one magazine. Yeah. And then I offered to give them the record for free. Here, take this record for free. But uh, it is certainly not free anymore. Um, it is appreciated now, which I, I very much enjoy. But we've we've had that happen to several of our other records where it sort of takes a while to catch on. Mm-hmm. What, and I think you see that movement and tastes change. You know what's popular or hot at the time is going to be yeah. changing. But but good music is going to outlast any fad. Yeah. You know. Yeah, there's always a flavor of the month, and um, we are never it because I, I never care about chasing that. But it, but when I say Flavor of the Month, there are bands that I would call Flavor of the Month that are still very good. They mm-hmm. just happen to hit the pulse of the music scene at the moment. But, you know, when Ample came out, it was mentioned in the, uh, the Metal Forces review that this is not thrash, because thrash was certainly the giant Flavor of the Month then. And uh, this was not it. So it was sort of discarded as being lesser. And uh, I think current flavor of the month, and I, I really love Sabaton, but that sound, Sabaton and Power Wolf, that is currently flavor of the month. And I absolutely mean no disrespect by that, but that is what's selling now. Ghost is certainly a flavor of the month. And I like Ghost. Mm-hmm. I want to like Ghost. I like the imagery. I like I like the I like the look of it. I, I just, and I've only heard maybe half a dozen songs. I just can't get it. I can't can't get into it i want to but just uh it's just i don't know i mean it's it's doesn't sound as heavy as i want it to be i guess i wanted a particular sound with the with the makeup and the looks right yeah and i'm just not getting it from them i find it um you know i hear comparisons of them to blue oyster call and i i personally completely agree with that Hmm. i think they actually sound a lot like blue oyster call especially the vocals don't have a lot of dynamics and you know a lot of people take that as a, a negative comment which it is not at all i mean it's um the vocals are very smooth and um boister cult hit the notes flawlessly and had wonderful smooth vocal lines like don't fear the reaper is a great example it's the opposite of a dio vocal line where there's a growl and a scream it's all very smooth and that's ghost it's very smooth a lot of the melody lines and changes are similar to what boister cult did um so yeah and i i as a classic boys recall fan i i hear a lot of that similar style in ghost i don't think yeah, i can see that now that you mention it yeah yeah i i, I want to give them a try because i want to like them you know i do i love yeah, the like their live thing. shows are really interesting you know yeah. with everybody with the mask and stuff i think they put on a really cool show 
And uh, yeah, I'm with you though. Like, I want it to be a little bit heavier. Like, I'm waiting mm-hmm. for some heavier riffs to, to happen. Yeah, I guess oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm wanting don't... like the black metal, the King Diamond, need, <laughs> right? You know, like <laughs> just Fate. the metalhead in us that takes yeah, over. Yes, that's exactly it. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, come on, come on, bring it. You know, yeah. yeah that, I don't find it heavy at all. I mean, Ghost has Not... some occasional heavy riff, but it's toned way down by the vocal line. Yeah, yeah. No, I if it were, you know, obviously they're doing wonderful in their career, but I, yeah, I would. So I'm not. I'm not making any suggestions or anything. I wouldn't be so bold, but I, I personally don't consider them heavy metal. To me, they're a hard rock band. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Well, Mark, I want to thank you for spending time with us again tonight, and, and for more importantly, for being such a good friend of the show and. Uh, for just keeping us in the loop and, and for your texts and messages and the time that we get to talk back and forth. I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, it just, it just means a lot to us that you'd want to spend time with us. Well, let me thank you guys in return. You guys do what the tape traders did in, uh, in the early eighties. You guys keep this underground going and you're giving up a lot of your own time and you're working hard and it's just, really beneficial to everybody you know you're making the underground go oh that's that's high praise we'll take it you know absolutely um yeah yeah we're up over 100 subscribers now so that's pretty, pretty good <laughs> you know but we know you know we get we get good feedback i don't know how many people are listening we do really well on the unsane radio um we put it out and the other other streams but we're just happy doing what we get to do and i spending the last 90 minutes hanging out with you is just you know, that's beyond anything we could have imagined. So, yeah, it was cool. Thanks for letting me put your ad in the comic. That was, yeah. <laughs> <We're letting> you, <laughs> yes. Well, you're welcome. Uh, no, no, but thank you for asking. Uh, it, it means so much to us, and, and we're happy to, to that you would think enough of our show to want to put us in your comic book. It, it just, we're eternally grateful. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I had about, uh, I think I picked about 20 people and shows and mag 20 people in the underground metal scene that i thought this would be cool to ask and then i wrote a little computer program to do a random shuffle and then i started asking people from the top <laughs> of the list down. oh that's cool wow well we're, we're lucky and honored <laughs> yeah no yeah and it's it's so very very cool um I, I use that same list and that's who i started sending the uh, musical cards out to yeah, well, we've got them all here. We're we're really thrilled. Now I'm going to be be adding it to the wall behind me. We're going to be adding mm-hmm. some things. Uh, this is great. We're real super excited to, for the album when it comes out. When you find uh, out, when you decide who the label's going to be, would you would you just send us a note or or drop by and say, hey, we're on this label, so we can help promote it? Yeah, I I hope they allow me to say who it is um, right away. Um, I hope so. I, I'm very, very pleased with what I think the choice is. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure. I, I mean, you would think I would know these things, but I am. Um, uh, there's there's certain aspects of the business that I'm out of the loop on, and and that is one of them. And there's certain aspects where I'm very much drive it. I drive the creative side, and uh, I not so much involved with the business side. Well, yeah, this is a uh, this is awesome. This, this interview's got me so excited for this album. So, yeah, it's a good just, record. I'm, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, I think people are going to like it. I mean, I'm trying to anticipate what 
yeah, some people will slam it because they'll think the story's a little bit goofy, but oh well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wanted a story that reminded me of like the Ray Harryhausen movies. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, Ray was just the special effects guy, but I know them as, you know, Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. Jason the Argonauts, Valley of Guanji. I know them as Ray Harryhausen films. Right, they have a look. Right, and and the, no matter how old you are when you watch it, you feel like the kid you were when you first saw it. Yeah. So this album concept's got a couple sets of monsters in it. It's got some cool adventure, like scaling down an icy, dilapidated building, and while well, these creatures are flying after you, and you got a flamethrower, and <laughs> I mean, and, Those are uh, kind of stuff right there. Yeah, man, yeah. We'll invite you to our uh, D&D games. <laughs> right. from now, yeah. <laughs> you want to partake in that. So. Um, oh, I, used to, I love playing D&D. Mercilessly teased by some of my bandmates who absolutely find that to be the geekiest thing possible. Dude, well, in we, the, li- in the we lived way. it. Yeah, we, we lived, lived it, it all through high school, man. We and played so cool much D and D. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah. No, seriously. If if you ever want to game with us, let me know. We will certainly. <laughs> okay. We'll do it like via Zoom. So. Uh, sure. Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, if you need a set of dice, we we got you. We got you covered. <laughs> so, all right, we're going to do our commercial, and we're going to get out of here. Okay. Cool. So, all right, you can find Heavy Metal Horror on unsaneradio.com. Listen to full episodes or download to your device. You can find us on Facebook, Heavy Metal Horror Podcast. On Instagram, look for Montag Lewis, one word. Our YouTube page, Heavy Metal Horror Podcast. If you're watching, that's where we're at. Uh, don't forget to hit the like and the subscribe button. And we're now on Roku, Hotel Metal Jam. If you know someone who would like our show, tell them about us. This has been Montag, Master of Illusion. Dread Bull. And Mark Bridey. And so you've been watching and listening to. All right, Mark, bring up the horns. Heavy metal. Heavy, heavy metal. metal. Make sure I'm on camera. <laughs> yes. This is Doug Helbring, and you have been listening to Heavy Metal Horror, the best podcast that you've never heard before.